Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And here's the common denominator with all those that God does this with. He puts them in an impossible situation. So they're looking at this situation that they're in and they throw up their hands and they say, God, I can't do this. To which God responds with something to the effect of, I know, that's why I put you there, so that you could realize that. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Whenever we face a trial or a crisis in life, we typically gather together our resources and take them head on. However, as some of us may have experienced, we don't always have what it takes to succeed. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us how God often puts us in situations in order to get us to humbly admit that we need Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 1 with his continuing study called Jesus Only. The Lord just kind of ministered to me that I've got to take you into this desert of isolation for a period of time because there's some things I need to break in you. You're too strong in your own strength. You're too reliant upon your own savvy, your own ability. And I have to break that. And I have to do it in such a way so as to prepare you for that which I'm preparing for you. Because of that which I have for you, you're not ready for it yet. If I were to allow you prematurely to do that which I'm calling you to, you would fail miserably, and I cannot be a party to that. So I've got to break that in you that would cause that to happen to you. And by the way, isn't Paul in good company? He's in good company with the likes of Elijah, very strong man. John the Baptist, he was a wild man. The Apostle John, and my personal favorite, Moses. For those of you who were with us on Thursday nights in our study through the Old Testament, when we got into the book of Exodus, and God calls Moses, and Moses tries in his own strength to deliver God's people, and he kills an Egyptian. And what does God do? God says, Moses, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you trying to do this in your own strength? And he takes Moses to the backside of the desert. Not just the desert, the backside of the desert. For 40 years, for three years for Paul, 40 years for Moses. And get this, he's 40 years old at the time. And now he's going to the backside of the desert for 40 more years. So now here's Moses, 80 years old. And God appears to him and basically says to him, Okay, Mo." It's time to go, bro. (laughs) That's a very loose paraphrase, obviously. And what is his response? (laughs) Are you, are you kidding me? I, I, I have been 
on the backside of the desert so long, surrounded only by sheep, no man. I've had nobody to talk to, and I've developed a speech impediment. I can't even talk anymore. I mean, I, the only thing I can say after being with the sheep on the backside of the desert for 40 years is, that's it. I can't even talk. And you want to use me? <laughs> that's laughable. No, uh, Moses, you're ready now. See, I can use you now. It took me 40 years. You you know you got a strong personality, too strong for God to use if it takes him 40 years to break it. Moses was a strong man. Moses' life can be divided into three sections of 40 years each. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the backside of the desert, and 40 years in the Exodus as the deliverer of God's people. But God could not do anything with Moses until he had broken that self-reliance that he had. And the same with the Apostle Paul. And here's the common denominator with all those that God does this with. He puts them in an impossible situation. So they're looking at this situation that they're in, and they throw up their hands and they say, God, I can't do this. To which God responds with something to the effect of, I know, that's why I put you there, so that you could realize that. This is impossible. For you it is. For you it is. And now that you realize that it's impossible for you, in and of your own strength, now... I can do it. Before, I couldn't do it, because it was still possible for you. And that's why. Well, in Matthew 19, Jesus tells the disciples that it's harder for a rich man, really impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven like it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Impossible, right? And then the disciples in their astonishment ask Jesus, well then, who can possibly be saved? It's impossible for anybody to be saved. And listen to Jesus' response. He looks at them and says to them this, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Oh, don't we love that verse? We've written songs about how God is the God of the impossible. Amen! God can do the impossible. Not so fast. God cannot do the impossible until it's first impossible. What? What do you mean? Now think about this. God can't do the impossible until first it's impossible. And by the way, we're so quick to quote the second part of that verse, but we don't quote the first part of that verse. You know, the part that says that it's first impossible for man in order for it to be possible for God? Stay with me. Here's what that looks like. 
If it's still possible for me in my own strength to do something, aren't I going to try to keep doing it? I'll keep trying and striving and in my own strength, I can do this, I can do this. No, you can't. And isn't it when and only when I come to the end of myself and I say, Lord, I can't do this. I can just hear the angels given charge concerning me saying, well, it's about time, dude. Are, can you let God do it now? Oh, oh, is it impossible for you? Well, guess what? Now it's possible for God. Zechariah 4, 6, another beautiful verse that we write and sing songs about. It's not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now how does the Apostle Paul say that to the church in Philippi? Because he had tasted from that cup of weakness. He had come to the end of himself. And it was during this time, this three-year period of time, in this isolation, this desert of isolation, where God did that work in him, bringing him to the end of his own strength, so that he had no other alternative but to completely and totally rely upon the Lord. I want to mention one thing here, and it's very important. Unless and until we come to that place, God won't do it. He certainly could. Obviously he could. But unless and until we come to that place, he won't. It's hands off to him. Whatever that situation is, you're still trying in the energy of your own flesh to accomplish it, to do it, to resolve it, and you won't. Remember the three-step program that we've talked about in times past? Very simple. Step one, realize I can't. Step two, know he can. And step three, let him. Let him. We, I know it's cliche, but we say, let go and let God. Well, there's a lot of truth to that, but why is it that in our own strength we can't let go? We're holding on to this thing. And it's pride, you know. Because in the end, we want to take the credit for having done it. You know the song, right? I did it my way. How's that working out for you? His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are infinitely higher and perfect in all of His ways. And God knows the perfect way for this to be resolved. But we're in His way, and so He can't have His way, because we're still trying to help Him out. We can ask Abraham and Sarah how that worked out for them. We're still feeling the 
ramifications and suffering the consequences of that all of these generations later. When my kids were little, my boys, when they were young, they would try to help out Baba. Baba, I want to help, I want to help. Okay. And they would actually create more work for me, and it took longer to get accomplished what I would have been able to accomplish had they not helped me. It was so adorable, obviously. But they got in my way. They made a bigger mess because they wanted to help me out. Wouldn't you agree that God doesn't need our help? He doesn't need us to help him out like Abraham and Sarah. Let's help God fulfill his promise. Hagar, come here. <laughs> no. We all have a Hagar and a, an Ishmael that is birthed. Ishmael, a type of the flesh. Isaac, a type of the spirit. How about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Come on, you know this verse, right? Here's another one. We sing songs about it, right? We have it all memorized. We've got it up on our walls, on our wallpaper. I mean, we love this promise in God's word, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Ah, I love it. I love this. My favorite proverb, right? Along with all the other proverbs that are my favorite proverbs too like you. But have you really examined this proverb to see what it really says? No, watch this. (laughs) The promise is that he will direct your paths. Better translation renders it better, actually, that he will make your path straight. He will straighten it out. But there's a three-pronged prerequisite, if I can say it like that. You know what that three-pronged prerequisite is? Oh, first, I have to trust in the Lord with all my heart. You know what that means? That means I can't trust in my own heart, my own strength, my own ability. I cannot trust in myself. I have to trust in Him with all of my heart. And then, I also, secondly, can't lean on my own understanding. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Well, you're in a situation and don't you pray, don't you say, Lord, I don't understand. (laughs) Good. Because if you understood, you would lean on that understanding. Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Good. Because if you knew what I was doing, you wouldn't trust in me with all of your heart. You wouldn't rely on me. And then it's this third one that really gets me. Because we're to acknowledge Him in all, keyword of our ways. Now, let's be honest. <laughs> when do we acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways? Is it when we don't understand? Is it when we can't trust in our own strength? Isn't it when we come to the end of ourselves? The situation is so perplexing, so perilous, so impossible that we just throw up our arms and we say, Lord, that's when. And unless and until again we come to that place, it's hands off. 
God won't do it if we're still trying to do it in our own strength. I want to close by posing two questions. And please know that whenever I ask questions like this, I always ask them of myself. And these two questions are concerning this matter of fully relying on and trusting in the Lord. Let me preface, though, the questions with Second Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord, we're told, searching, are searching to and fro throughout the earth. And in that search, the Lord is looking for hearts fully reliant upon Him, fully devoted to Him, so that God can be strong on their behalf. So picture it. The Lord is is doing a search, and He's not looking at the outward appearance like man. He's looking at the heart, and God knows our hearts. And He's looking at the condition of our heart. And He knows if our heart is fully, not half, fully devoted to Him completely relying upon Him. And when He finds that heart, ah, I found one. Watch me now. Watch what I can do now. That's a heart that is relying upon me, trusting in me, looking to me to do that which only I can. Here's the first question. Could the reason that impossible situation or that impossible person persists in my life be that I'm not relying on the Lord to bring resolution or reconciliation? Here's a second question in it dovetails into it. If I were to stop relying on my own strength and start relying on the Lord today, today, what would change in my situation? And perhaps more importantly, how soon would change happen? What are you suggesting, pastor, that I am thwarting God standing in the way of God, that God, because of me, cannot do this for me instead of me? Yes. And lest you think that I'm coming down too hard on you, I have a degree in this. (laughs) I know this too well. How many times in my own life I've had a situation present itself and I'm tackling it in my own strength. And I'm met with total and utter failure every single time at every single turn. And God just patiently waits for me to come to Him, to give it to Him, to say to Him, Lord, I can't do this. I need you to do this as only you can. 
Maybe for you it's a financial situation. Are you relying on the Lord? Are you looking to the Lord? Have you surrendered it to the Lord? Only He can do it. You know, when we were in the throes of this building project, there were so many times it was not just daily sometimes, it was throughout the day, every day, day and night, and night and day, where I would find myself just going, oh Lord, no way. There's no way. To which the Lord would respond, no, no way. (laughs) Way, way, my way. Can can we do it my way now? (laughs) What do you mean? I've, I've been trying to do this my way in my own strength? Yes. And oh, by the way, my dear beloved, <laughs> that's why this is happening this way, because you won't let me do it my way. You're, you're, I was carrying it, and it was so heavy, and it was so crushing. And the Lord just had to remind me that, hey, uh, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Cast all of your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Maybe it's a difficult marriage. Maybe it's a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. It's a strained family relationship. There's separation. There's a family feud, if you will. And it is so impossible. And you cannot see any way for there ever to be reconciliation. You cannot see any way. Maybe it's somebody that you've been praying for for years to get saved. And you're becoming weary and discouraged. There's just no way. There's no way. It's, it's impossible. Well, I'm sure they said that about Saul of Tarsus, didn't they? Let me just say lastly this, that only Jesus can do it, as only He can. Maybe today, instead of like this, all of us, myself included, do this. Here, Lord, here. You do it. You do it. It's impossible. Now you can do it. Will you? Yes, He will, as only He can. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Galatians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask God to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. He will point you to the passages that he knows you need to read. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, in spiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you'll be able to take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to tell you more about the Mideast Prophecy Update tab on our website. 
As followers of Jesus Christ, we are all eagerly anticipating His return to earth. We believe it's coming soon and that many events happening around the world right now are fulfilling the prophecies of the end times detailed in the Bible. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at these events and what God's Word has to say about them and shares that information with us in the Mideast Prophecy Update. The purpose of these updates aren't to scare us, but to remind us how important it is that everyone know the redeeming hope of Jesus. These updates are new every week, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access the latest installments. That's all we have for today, but be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of Galatians. Keeping me right with the old wind.